0: Welcome to the study of God's Word, recorded live at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, or to tune into our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church, or download our free Calvary Church app. Now let's open our Bibles and study God's Word.
1: So good to be with you guys today. Thank you for the privilege. Being able to stand in here, I know anytime Pastor Ed uh, lets anyone in the pulpit here, uh, it's, it's a great joy uh, for, for those of us that get to bring the word. It's a, it's a sacred thing, and so I'm privileged to do it. Also, just on behalf of the pastoral team here, just want to let you guys know how much we love you. Um, I, I know that you know it, but sometimes it's just good to hear it, um, thinking about all God's done in our midst over the past several weeks and months with Family Fest, as we just heard about. Uh, and refresh conference, and just seeing the lives changed here. It's, it's amazing. And I'm just privileged to, to be a part of it. I'm so thankful watching you guys worship. I was in, standing in the back there. Uh, Jesus is in this place, uh, and He's alive, and He's well, and He's working in our lives. And so I uh, just want to let you guys know, as this church, how much we love you, how much we appreciate you guys. So pray for me. This is my third service. Taught once last night, once earlier. I've been fighting off this bug. So, my voice is going. Uh, So, hopefully, we'll make it through. If not, we'll just put a picture of Kike back up on the wall again and look at that with with Kike and the candy again. Um, But let's pray. If you guys have your Bibles too, uh, we're going to look at Luke 15 this morning. If you don't have a Bible with you, we've got plenty of them in the back, a bunch of paperback Bibles. We'd love to give you one. You're welcome to to get up and go back and get one. It's our gift to you. Uh, We'll be at Luke 15 this morning. So, Lord Jesus, I just. uh, Again, thank you for the privilege of gathering again, Lord. And you are very aware of each person that's come into this place this morning, what it is that they carry with them. Uh, Lord, those that come with great joy uh, because of uh, the goodness of God and the grace of God in their lives. Those that are coming this morning, Lord, with sorrow, with heaviness, Lord, perhaps even carrying guilt and shame from things that happened this past week. But Father, your word tells us, Lord, uh, that as we draw near to you, you draw near to us. That's a promise. And so what we're asking, Lord, that all of this would be meaningless if you didn't show up and if you weren't in this place and if you weren't going to speak to us now. So I pray, Lord, that you would use me, that you'd anoint your word, God. Again, it says in your word, as the rain falls from the heaven and it, and it falls onto the earth and accomplishes what the rain was sent forth to do. You say that your word falls fresh on our hearts, and it accomplishes, Lord, what you want it to accomplish in each one of our lives today. Lord, we see a room full of people, but you see each individual, each person, Lord. And you say that your word doesn't return void. So we are banking on you speaking to us today, as you promise you will, Lord. Your word is alive It's breathed by God, and so we're trusting, God, that you would now speak to our hearts, Lord, as we open up our hearts to your word. Would you open up your word to our hearts? And it's all in Jesus' name that we pray all these things today, amen. All right, Luke 15, Uh, this is a very familiar passage for a lot of us, the title of this message is Prodigal, Find Your Way Back Home. And we call this the prodigal of the parable son. or I'm sorry, the, the, the parable of the prodigal son. And so one thing we know is true. We are all, all at one point were prodigals where we ourselves had walked away from the Lord. And I did this in the last service. And I'm just curious by way of hands, how many of you here were at one point a prodigal? You walked away from the Lord, but have since come back home again. Would you just raise your hand? Isn't that amazing? Look at all the stories of God's grace in this room this morning. Amazing. So again, as you can see, many of us were at one point prodigals or we know a prodigal at this moment or perhaps we have a prodigal loved one. Maybe you're the parent right now of a prodigal or you're the child of a prodigal. I know many of you are are children that were raised in the faith along with your parents, but then your parents have since walked away from the Lord. Or maybe you've got a prodigal husband or a prodigal wife, and you're just, you're carrying that every time you come into worship, wishing they were here with you, wishing they were standing by your side, lifting their hands in worship to the Lord. I was raised in church myself, and uh, was born into it. My, my dad was a pastor, I couldn't get away from it. Uh, but then at a later point in my life for a number of years, I completely walked away from the faith, wanted nothing to do with it. I was angry at my parents. I was angry at God. Uh, certainly out there experiencing so many things that the world had to offer, uh, hoping to find fulfillment out there. And I remember at one point, uh, it was in high school, I was invited to go on a summer camp to Southern California. And uh, I went, and the only reason I went was because I just wanted to get away from home. And I wanted to get away from my parents, and I wanted nothing to do uh, with with what we were actually um, meeting for, which was to worship the Lord and to study His Word together. So every night... Uh, We would be at the beach all day long. That's what I was really there for. And then in the evening, we'd have a sanctuary, and we'd be sitting in the sanctuary. People would be worshiping. I remember sitting in the back with a couple others, and we would be making fun of everyone in the front, lifting their hands in worship. We thought we were so cool uh, and angry. A couple times we left and snuck out and tried to sneak back in before we were caught, Uh, and Night after night for a week, I remember being in there, and every single night I was getting angrier and angrier, and I was just not a nice person, and the people I was talking to uh, uh, throughout the the, the week could see the anger, and by the the final night, I was just ready to leave. I, I was like, I am so done with all of this. Uh, I was so mad, as a matter of fact, that uh, I, I didn't even come into the sanctuary. My, my, one of my youth group leaders kind of forced me, no, you got to be here. Uh, okay, you don't have to go in, but at least sit outside of the door here. So I sat outside the door, super angry, heard, heard everyone worshiping, um, heard the preacher began to preach. I wish I knew who this guy was. I would love to talk to him. I will meet him someday for sure in heaven. Uh, But he began to preach. And I don't even remember going from outside of the room to inside the sanctuary. But at some point I was there sitting in the seat, in the back again, but I was riveted. And I don't even remember exactly what it was that he was preaching other than he was communicating the love of God. Something that I had heard of many times but this was a night that god was taking my prodigal heart and he was drawing me home calling me home and i remember him giving an invitation and i came forward and i just began to weep and i was so broken like i'd never been broken before but it was a sweet brokenness because as many of you that raise your hand know this feeling just being overwhelmed with wave upon wave of the love of god as a matter of fact, I remember being so overwhelmed with his love that he could love someone like me with all the mocking that I did, all the, the walking away from the things I knew, but he loved me. He loved me. And I felt at one point, the, the, the love felt like a weight. I remember telling God, God, I can't handle any more of your love. I feel like I'm going to be crushed under this weight of your love. It was so wonderful. And that was the moment for me as a prodigal that God really changed my life. And he called me home. And I came home back to the father again that day. If you're here and you're a prodigal, I believe that there's a word for you this morning. If you're here and you're the parent of a prodigal, I believe that God has some encouragement for you as we look at how the perfect heavenly father views our prodigals. So in Luke 15, there are three parables here. We see the parable of the lost sheep. We see the parable of the lost coin, and then here we see the parable of the lost son, or as we know it, the prodigal son. These are all pictures of something that was lost and found, something that was lost and was regained. And the son in this third parable is called prodigal. That word prodigal is never used anywhere else in Scripture outside of, uh, of here. This is the only place we see it, Luke 15. It's it's from an old English word, prodigal, which means to waste or to be wasteful. And the idea is this parable of this son is a picture of a man who wasted his life. That's the idea behind that word parable. And because of this story that Jesus tells here, the word parable also means and can be defined as one who has returned after an absence one who has returned after an absence. Or as Jesus says in verse 32 of Luke 15, one who was lost and is found. And so many of us here that have prodigals in our life, we are waiting for them to return. We're waiting, we're watching, we're hoping, we're longing to see them back in fellowship once again with one another and back in the arms of the Lord again. So Luke 15 begins here, the context of this Story, this parable that Jesus tells it says in verse 1 and 2 Then all the tax collectors and the sinners, they drew near to him to hear him, Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and he eats with them. <laughs> now, I am thankful that Jesus not only receives sinners, but that he eats with us. I just love the heart of Jesus. At this time in Jesus' life, he was teaching. His public ministry had, had gone into effect. He was healing people. And his ministry was giving hope and was giving comfort to the lives of so many people that were listening to him, that they were believing in the teaching of who God was, Jehovah God, and God's heart for them. And it says here specifically, there were tax collectors who were considered the outcast in this society, and sinners. And we can just imagine what kind of sinners would be sitting here listening to Jesus. He was giving them hope because they weren't finding hope from the religious community of that day. And the Pharisees, it says here, and the Sadducees, they were angry because they felt that Jesus wasn't properly representing Jehovah God to the people. That's why they were mad. So while they should have been excited that sinners were coming to hear the word of God, what they were doing instead is they were finding fault with Jesus and they weren't happy at all that these common people were finding hope in Jesus and in the message Jesus preached of this kingdom of God that was being offered to everybody. Now, Jesus is wanting to show here in this parable, in this story that we're gonna look at, the difference between the heart of God and the heart of the religious community that had nothing to offer the people of its day. As a matter of fact, earlier in Luke chapter 7, verse 10, uh, Jesus told us there, and this is the key, a key verse in understanding this parable that we're going to look at, Luke seven ten says there that there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who has returned. Amen? That gives us there heaven's perspective on a sinner that comes back again. And so in light of this, Jesus tells these three stories here in Luke 15, and we want to look at this third parable, beginning in verse 11. This is the parable of the prodigal son, but it really is three parables in one. And if we could, I, I, we, could we could have three Bible studies on this. Uh, some have called this the parable of the father's heart, the parable of the father's heart. Uh, it's a picture of the younger son, the younger brother, and his father, The son, the younger son, he left willingly home. He left in rebellion to his father. Then later on, he comes back broken. And it's a picture of this son and his father with the relationship that ends up being deeper than it ever would have been if he hadn't failed so miserably. What a picture of grace. And it represents to us a new start, a new beginning, a second chance It's a story that's been told uh, throughout the last 2,000 years. It's a story that's told week after week as we gather here in our lives here, a forgiving God, a God who gives another chance, a new start, a new beginning. And so this is the parable of the father's heart. Some have also called this the parable of the older brother. And the reason is because a third of these verses are about him about this older brother. And of course, Jesus here is speaking to the Pharisees and to the Sadducees through this parable. And the older brother in this parable represents them. And it's not really a good picture of this older brother. And so these Pharisees are sitting here and they're listening to Jesus as he's speaking this to them. And then of course, as we know this parable, this is commonly known, the parable of the prodigal son, the younger son, the younger brother here, who we're going to spend most of our time this morning focusing on. And by the way, a prodigal is not just someone who's out there getting high, out there getting drunk, out there partying. Because the reality is there's plenty of prodigals that are sitting in here this morning. And I'm one of them. As a matter of fact, as I was looking at this this week, it really struck me that there are times I too can be a prodigal because our heart can be at distant from the Father's heart. And we can easily come into church and into this building and we can play the Christian game and we can come and sit in church, but meanwhile, nobody knows what's really going on in our, in our lives throughout the week. What we want to be, and this is why we gather, is we want to be conformed into the image of the Father and His heart. That's the direction that we wanna be heading in. So if you're here and you're a note taker, Uh, I love taking notes. It helps me. Uh, There's four things that we want to take note of in this parable today. There's four points. And after each point, uh, there's there's a takeaway um, that we can hold on to and, and leave this place with. So four points. Number one, first point is sick of home. Number two, away from home. Number three, homesick. And number four, home. Number one, sick of home. Number two, away from home. Number three, homesick. And number four, home. So as we begin here in verse 11, then he, Jesus speaking here, said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. Now this phrase, portion of goods, seems to be a particular term that speaks of the inheritance of the father's estate that would be given to his son. So it says here, he, the father, divided to them, plural there, to both of the sons, his livelihood. Notice there's no argument from the father here. God respects your ability to choose. He always has. He still does today. So our first point here, as I mentioned, our first point is sick of home, we're going to see the prodigal is sick of home, verses eleven and twelve. And again, the first takeaway point this morning is this takeaway number one: leaving home always begins in the heart. Leaving home always begins in the heart, because we can we can blame circumstances, our lives, for the reason that we would leave the Lord. But walking away from the Lord, walking away from the Father begins to happen first in our hearts before it happens to affect our lives. As a matter of fact, Proverbs 4.23 says it this way. All of the issues of our life flow from our hearts. Whatever it is that you're struggling with or you're battling, it flows from something deeper within us. It's flowing from our hearts. Jesus is the only one that can change our hearts. He's the heart changer. So Jesus here begins to tell this parable of these two sons. And in this culture, this inheritance that the son is asking for of this father's estate, it would work this way. The oldest son would receive the double portion of the inheritance. Most likely that would also include the land so that the son could continue in the father's, with, with the father's heritage and lineage and keep the business going forward. The sons that remained in would divide up the rest of the inheritance among one another. So in this case, because this father had two sons, two-thirds would go to the older brother and one-third would go to this younger brother. And normally out of respect, you would wait for the right time and then the father of his own will, he would divide up the inheritance. Typically, this would be on his deathbed. That's when he would do it. However, in this case, It's backwards because we see the younger son wanting his portion now only to go squander it, only to go waste it. And again, take note, the father here doesn't argue. Father here doesn't try to sit and reason with his son about this. Because of course, giving the inheritance is not the greatest difficulty for the father here. But there's something in the pain of having a child leave that is much More difficult for this father. And some of us understand exactly what that feels like. If we've had a loved one, a child leave, walk away from the things that we hope to instill in their hearts from a young age, we know the pain of that. Some of us are carrying that this morning. And really, what this younger son wanted is he just wanted freedom, he just wanted independence from his father. He wanted to get out of there. He wanted to get away from home. And we're not exactly sure the details as to why he wanted to go. It doesn't tell us. But we know at one point, as it's true with every man, every woman, that it started in his heart before it became a reality in his life. We know that he already left in his heart before he left his home. But we can imagine some of the reasons why he left. No doubt this younger son just wanted to get away from his dad's authority, wanted to get away from his dad's rules. Even though as we get to know the father, this is a good father and the rules were set there to protect the son, but he wasn't interested. He just wanted to get away. I'm sure that he wanted to get away from his older brother as we get to know the older brother here at the end of the parable. This older brother is harsh. This older brother is critical. This older brother is judgmental. It's a picture of a so-called believer that really, honestly, none of us really want to be around that kind of a person. So I can imagine he wanted to get away from his brother. But what Jesus is saying here is that men are like this with God. God, I want your blessing, but I don't want to obey you. God, I want your provision, but I'm not really interested in your presence. God, I want yours, but I don't want you. God, I want your wealth, I want your riches, but I don't want your control. I don't really care for your guidelines. And really, God, I don't want to be like you. And because he was asking for his father's inheritance, which typically would be given on his father's deathbed, what he's really saying in that is, you know what, Dad, I just wish you were dead. And a lot of times when a prodigal leaves their home today, They're basically saying this to their parents. They're basically saying, I don't want you. I just want what you have. Dad, I don't really want to be like you. Mom, I don't really want your standards. I don't want to hear your Bible thumping anymore. I'm sick of your rules. I'm sick of your religion. I was raised in this. It wasn't my choice. It was your choice. I want to get away from this. If this is religion, you can keep God and just let me out of here. Because out there is freedom. Out there I can breathe. Out there I can experience life. Out there I can decide what I want to believe and I can do what I want to do. And if you're a parent that has a kid that has said that or something similar to you, then you know this destroys a parent. The heartbreak of a kid that just wants us for our stuff, but doesn't want the relationship. And then having that prodigal leave, leave. So maybe this younger son here, he just had enough. Of course, the grass is always greener on the other side, right? And perhaps you're here and you can relate to this younger son here. Because if we're honest, sometimes the temptation is to think if you follow Jesus, then you're going to be held back from really experiencing everything that life has to offer. Because if you say yes to Jesus, then you're going to have to say no to other things. Living under the illusion that perhaps there's something better out there than what we experience in here. Some kind of unfulfilled dream, maybe. If I finally get this much money, or if I finally have this kind of relationship— or if I can finally land this job, or even if I could just keep getting high, then I would be happy. That's all I want. And the father here, he sees this in his son. He knows that this is what his son is after. But notice this he gives his son what he wants. He gives him what he wants. He knows he can't make him stay. This is a young man at this point. He can't keep him there, he can't force him against his will. He knows his heart isn't there. He knows he despises his father. And so here, a brokenhearted father simply says, here. Here Here's what you want. And you can have it. I personally, as I was looking at this, have been thinking of so many people, as I'm sure you have, that I know who were once walking with Jesus, but have since left And it's so heartbreaking. It's so hard, isn't it? I know many of the people I'm thinking of have have left and have deconstructed their faith. Uh, Many of them have just walked away from their faith. Many have expressed hurt over how they've been treated in the church. Uh, Or others have, have expressed disappointment that God didn't come through the way that they hoped that God would come through. Many of them now are out there living in all kinds of sexual immorality, intoxication, mental illness. Some of them are in prison right now. I even know of a, of a particular son from a family here in this church who's out on the streets right now. And so here is this young man. He takes off, sick of home, which leads us now to our second point, away from home. Point number two, away from home, Verses 13 through 16. And again, if you're taking notes, our our, our second takeaway here is this. A life without God is a life without meaning. A life without God is a life without meaning. Notice what it says in verse 13. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions, it says here, with prodigal living, Now here's a couple words that help us understand this word prodigal here. If you've got the NIV translation of the Bible, it says they're loose living, that he wasted his possessions with loose living. The original King James version of the Bible says he he wasted his possessions with riotous living. The ESV says reckless living. The CSB, the Christian Standard Bible says foolish living. The New Living Translation says wild living. So that helps us paint a little bit of a picture of what the son was doing when he was out there. As a matter of fact, the Living Bible paraphrase uh, paraphrases verse 13 this way. It says, a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and he took a trip to a distant land and there wasted all his money on parties and prostitutes. And evidently, this younger son has a lot of friends because he has a lot of money. It's easy to have a lot of people around you when you have a lot of money. And so he goes off to a far country. He's looking for freedom. He wants to experience life. And it says here in verse 14, but when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land and he began to be in want. So we go out. We experience everything our hearts say it wants. We spend all our money, all of our energy, chasing after whatever it is that we're being told will fulfill us and will satisfy us. And then when we spend it all and we still haven't found it, then a mighty famine sets in. And for us, that mighty famine sets in in our hearts. And while this son is out there spending it all, I believe there was a father back home who was praying for this famine. Father back at home on his knees with tears in his eyes, saying, Oh God, let him run out. Oh God, let him come to the end of himself. Oh God, turn him back towards home. Oh God, let him see how empty that it is out there. Oh God, give me back my son. Some of us are praying, oh God, give me back my daughter. So, verse 15, he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. Notice he doesn't have any friends here uh, that he can stay with. When his money was gone, his friends were gone too. And he sent him, the citizen of the city, Uh, of this country, sent him into his fields to feed swine. Literally there in the Greek, it says to slop the hogs, which sounds really gross to me, right? To slop the hogs. Verse 16, and he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. So these pods are those leathery carob pods uh, or these empty husks that you would give to the pigs. And the son here is now learning a lesson that the grass is not always greener on the other side. As we follow his trail downward, first it says he wasted his possessions. Then it says he spent it all. Then it says a severe famine arose. Then it says he began to be in want. Then it says he was sent to feed the swine, the pigs. Then it says he longed for the slop of the hogs that he was slopping. Then it says nobody gave him anything. So he wanted to be free, that's his goal. He's in the world here that he wanted to be free in, but he's learning that the world is not all that he thought that it would be. As this old preacher said, sin will always take you further than you wanna go, cost you more than you wanna pay, and keep you longer than you want to stay. Sin will always take you farther than you wanna go, cost you more than you want to pay, and keep you longer than you want to stay. Sin will promise you freedom, but then we become a slave to sin. Sin will tell us that it will bring satisfaction, but it leaves us empty and wasted and wanting more. It tells us it won't cost us much, and then we lose everything. Broken relationships, Broken trust, broken reputation, broken finances, broken physical and mental health. Because it's true, what it says in Hebrews eleven twenty five, 25, that sin is pleasurable. It does feel good. Sin feels good. That's why we're all so bent to sin. It's pleasurable, but it's only pleasurable for a season. But in the end is death. And that's what the son is learning right now. It says here in verse 16, he would have gladly filled his stomach with the carob pods or these empty husks that the swine ate, but no one gave him anything. So he's truly, truly alone right now. All those that he partied with, they're all gone. And maybe today you feel this. Maybe today you're here and you too feel alone. Perhaps you've broken the trust of everybody in your life. Perhaps those relationships are long gone. Perhaps you feel abandoned like this today. That's why it's true that a life without God is a life without meaning. Because it's empty. Because it always leads here when we're away from home. Third point today is he begins to become homesick. We're going to see this in verses 17 through 19, homesick. And our third takeaway for today is this, that when we come to the end of ourselves, we come to the beginning of God. That's why God allows us sometimes to come to the end of ourselves. When we come to the end of ourselves, we come to the beginning of God. Notice verse 17 here, it says, but when he came to himself, sitting there in the pig pen, in the mud, hungry. It says here, he came to himself. Your translation might say, when he came to his senses. And parents, we know this. Sometimes when our kids go astray and we pray for them, and then things get worse and they don't get better, we wonder, where are you, God? We've been praying, and it seems that things aren't moving in the direction of our prayers. It seems like they're almost getting worse than better. You're praying, and they get thrown out of school. You're praying and they get fired from a job. You're praying and they get arrested. And then we ask God, Where are you? Well, I'll tell you where God is. God's right there with your prodigal, and He's trying to bring your prodigal to their senses. And we know this that with the Father here, there's a heartbreak. There's a heaviness knowing that his son is out there. And maybe again, you've experienced this, the emptiness when your kid is gone. There's a heartbreak to that. And the father here, he had to look at the empty seat at that table every single night and know that his son wasn't there. He had to look at that empty bedroom every time he passed it and wonder where his son was and what was going on. We know this because it tells us this, that he is filled with compassion before the son even returns. He had compassion for his son. This is the heart of God that Jesus is communicating in this parable that is so different than the heart of religion, so different than the heart of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But note this, God is too faithful to allow the prodigal life to be cost-free. It will always cost something. Sin always costs something. And again, if you're the parent of a prodigal or the loved one of a prodigal, maybe it's your husband, maybe it's your wife, I just want you to know, as we look at the heart of God here, that he cares more for your prodigal than you do. Because we see his heart here for the prodigal. So remember that as you pray. Remember that you're coming to a God, not that you have to convince to protect your prodigal, to provide for your prodigal, to bring your prodigal back. That is the heart of God for your son, for your daughter, for your husband, for your wife. And here is this son in this place, and he's come to the end of himself. And here, even still, his father's missing him and longing for his return. This is what Jesus is saying. The son here has squandered everything. He is now coming to himself, coming to his senses. And if you're trying to talk sense into your prodigal at this season, know this, that you can't talk sense until they come to their senses. Because they've lost their senses. That's the whole reason why they're out there. They've lost their senses. And that process of losing your senses is a slow process. Hebrews chapter three, verse 12 says this, watch out that our hearts are not hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Watch out that our hearts are not hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Because Satan is patient. He knows that he has time. He will work on our prodigals very, very slowly. He's targeting our kids just as he will in our lives. And it's nothing for Satan to take years and years and years to wear us down. Watch out that your hearts are not hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, and our hearts can get hardened. What happens is we push off the conviction of the Holy Spirit in regards to things in our lives. Then we get desensitized to the one who's there to protect us, and we end up losing our senses and we end up where sin always leads every single time to the end of ourselves. Alone, hurting, regretting the choices that we've made, looking in the mirror at the person looking back to you, going, who are you? And facing the real and the hard consequences of your actions. And I hate sin. I hate what sin does in my life. I hate when you guys come forward and you're sharing about how sin has hurt you and what it does to us, the heartache that it brings, the brokenness that it brings, the confusion, the hatred, the anger, the dysfunction in our families, the trauma, because sin before you know it gets you to the point where you are then waking up in your own nightmare. Sin has its hands around your neck trying to take the oxygen out of our lungs, and it wants to rob us of our lives. It wants to rob us of our livelihood. It wants to rob us of our marriages and our families. So parents know this. It's hard to talk sins to a prodigal until his senses return. So verse 17 again says, When he came to himself, to his senses, this aha moment here, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger? In other words, back in my dad's house, even the servants can have seconds and thirds. Even the servants can have a warm blanket and a shower. Even the servants have a respectable way to live. And here I am And I'm trying to fill my life, my stomach, with these empty shells of what the world is trying to fill itself with. The younger son realizes that when we come to the end of ourselves is when we come to the beginning of God. And this is for us today, that everything we need is in the Father's house. Everything. And that's true for you today. And that's why if you are here And you're a prodigal. I believe that the invitation God would give you today is to come home. You've come to the end of yourself. Now this is the beginning now of a new place, a new relationship with God. Everything that you wanted out there is found in the Father's house. Come home. Come home. Verse 18 says this. I will arise And go to my father. He begins now to rehearse what he's going to say. He says, I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So if you're here and you're asking, well, how do I find my way back home today? It's very simple. You turn your heart towards home. And you say the four words that this young man here says, which I get can be very difficult words to say. Father, I have sinned. Father, I have sinned. This young man is finally willing to own it here. He's finally willing to say those words. Father, I have sinned. Nobody made me sin. I wasn't forced to sin. I did it. I'm the one that sinned. I sinned against heaven. I sinned against people around me. And dad, I I get it. I'm not even worthy to be called your son at this point. So would you make me a servant in your house? Because he was out there homesick. And then our fourth and final point here, point number four is home. Verses 20 through 24, home. And our fourth takeaway Takeaway number four, no matter how far we wander, God the Father will run to welcome us back. No matter how far we wander, no matter how far from God we are, he will run to welcome you back. It says this in verse 20. He arose and came to his father. I can imagine he took a deep breath, rehearsed the things that he was gonna say, turns his face and his heart towards home, begins that trek back. But notice this. When he was still a great way off, his father saw him. Now imagine this moment. How long had it been since his father last saw his son? Years, perhaps, maybe. And now off in the distance, he's looking. He sees a figure coming towards him father continues to look and he looked as this young man got closer the father realized that's my son it's the one i've been praying for he's coming back he's beat up certainly skinnier than when i last saw him dirty but that's my son it's my son and by the way only jesus has the right to portray God Almighty in this light. Only Jesus has the right to display the heart of God in this way in contrast to the religious community. Because no Jew certainly would have portrayed God the Father as watching from afar, filled with compassion, running to the sinner, falling upon his neck, receiving him, and then restoring him because it wasn't dignified for the patriarch to pull up his robe and to run. It was very common for the kids to run to the dad, but not to see the dad running towards the kids. And yet Jesus says, the father was watching and he saw his son a great way off. And then I love this word, it says he had compassion That's a word worth underlining, it's worth highlighting, it's worth circling, it's worth putting stars in your Bible. He had, God had, the Father had compassion, and he ran. The one place in Scripture we see when God runs, and he fell on his son's neck, and it says he kissed him. The Greek there is he continually and tenderly kissed his son. See, God is not waiting for you today if you're a prodigal to return so that he can beat you. God's not waiting for you to come back so he can whack you. He is Father God. He's not the Godfather. <laughs> That's not who he is. Know what he does? Jesus is telling us this. He runs to us, he falls on us, he takes us in his arms. He embraces us. He lifts our faces. He wipes the tears from our eyes. We have nothing to give, but he has everything we need. And as I mentioned, I was a prodigal for years, and you guys mentioned it to all of you that raised your hands and said, I was once out there, but I have come home. I think all of us can say to any prodigal sitting in this room this morning that you can look and you can search, and you can try to find, but there's nothing better than Jesus out there. You're not going to find it. So don't let anything keep you from coming back home, back to him today. Because there's nothing keeping you, no matter what you've done or where you've gone or what, what you've, who you've been with. Verse 21, the son said to him, the son here begins to start the speech that he had rehearsed. Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and they no longer worthy to be called your son. But notice this. The son is barely getting the words out before the father is starting to say to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. The best robe would have been a place of honor. Perhaps it was even the father's robe himself. He says, put a ring on his hand. This would have been the signet ring of the family, signifying that the son is an heir again. So he's not just being forgiven, he's being restored. Because God doesn't just forgive us, he restores us, and he gives us the great privilege, it says in his word, of being called the sons and the daughters of God. And he says, put sandals on his feet, verse 23, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, which would have been something reserved for a great feast. And he says, let us eat and be merry, let us be happy preacher once said, mercy gave the prodigal son a second chance. Grace gave him a feast. See, everything that the son wanted out there, the best robes, the best inheritance, the best future, the best feast, they were already at home in his dad's house. And look, I know as we get ready to wrap up that the idea of a father is marred in many of our lives. Because if I were to ask everyone in this room, who of you has been abused mentally by your father or verbally by your father or sadly maybe sexually by your father or emotionally by a father? Who of you have been abandoned by a father and maybe you were raised by your mom or your grandma or maybe you had to play the role of a father as a teenager because that role was missing in your home? If I were to ask you to stand, and I'm not going to, I'm sure that so many of us would be overwhelmed by how many in this place come from that place. And perhaps when you hear of us talking about God as God, your father, you wince a little bit because of the pain and the brokenness that that word father means to you. But Jesus wants you to see the father's heart in this parable for you today. That God the father is the dad that some of us never had, but always wanted. Jesus is literally putting before you this morning, telling us he is a perfect father. Scripture says we can go to him and we can call God Almighty, Abba. Dad, father, he runs to you. Jesus tells us, when you come home to him, you have a father that you can trust in him. Maybe you've never had that. You have a father who won't hurt you. You have a father who won't disappoint you. You have a father who won't frustrate you. He won't embarrass you. And he won't let you down. Again, you just turn to him. And he runs to you. And what will his heart be towards you? when you come. Verse 24, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And it says there, they began to be merry, happy. So as we close and the worship team comes back out here, I I just wanted to say a few things to those of you here that are parents of a prodigal or you have a loved one, a husband again, a wife that's a prodigal. The first thing I think the Lord would say to you today is rest in the Lord, rest in the Lord. Jesus says, all you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and you will find rest. And maybe you did everything right as a parent. You raised them in the church, you taught them the word, Of course, you know that you weren't a perfect father. There's no such thing as a perfect mom, a perfect dad. But perhaps you feel like I did everything and still my kid left. He went wayward. He's out there. What? I just want to remind you that even the heavenly father who's perfect has prodigals. Everyone from Adam and Eve to King David down to you and to me. Even the heavenly father is perfect as prodigals. Perhaps you're here and and you're the parent saying, no, I, I know what I did. I know how I hurt my kid. I know how I turned them away. Well, if that's you, then all you need to do is to make it a point today or sometime this week to text or to call or to go have a conversation with your son or your daughter or your husband or your wife and ask for their forgiveness. And maybe they will and maybe they won't forgive you, but what it does is it removes the barrier. Removes the barrier. Then you get to move forward in the forgiveness and the grace of God, and you don't need to carry any guilt that Jesus has already paid for in your life. Second thing I would say is this parents, stay true to your beliefs. Just because you get pushed back from your child doesn't mean that you have to back down, hold the course. Live as a good example. Teach the word to them. Stand for what's true. Don't try to remove the consequences of, of their decisions, even though as parents, we, it's hard for us to see our kids experiencing some of that, but the pig pen may be the exact place where God is gonna to speak to them. And know this, just because they are out there now doesn't mean that they're gonna be out there forever. So stay true to your beliefs. Number three, don't give up on them. Don't give up on your prodigal. They may have hurt you. They may have let you down time and time and time again. But notice God never reaches the point where he gives up, where he stops hoping, where he stops looking and waiting for their return. So you don't stop and give up either. Galatians 6, 9 encourages us not to grow weary in well-doing. And the reason Paul had to say that to the church there is because we get weary, don't we? We get weary. So don't give up on them. Number four, they can escape your presence, but they can't escape your prayers. So keep praying for them. Even if you're not seeing God answer your prayers immediately, he promises he will answer your prayers eventually. God will be faithful. God inclines his ear towards us when we pray. Those of you with a broken heart, he draws near to those with a broken heart. Your prayers might feel like they're falling from the ceiling back down to the earth again. God hears every single one of them. He sees each tear that falls, his word says. Tonight in this building downstairs in the agape room, we're gonna have a prodigal prayer meeting. It's a perfect place to come and to pray for your husband, your wife, your son, your daughter. We'll take about an hour. We have a young lady from this church who was a prodigal, walked away, came back. She's gonna share her testimony tonight and then we're gonna just get to prayer and we're gonna pray and we're gonna see God work. We also will give out tonight too a sheet of 31 days of scripture prayer for you to pray every single day for the entire month for your prodigal, something to help guide you with some scriptures. And then my last point for you as parents Always keep the door to home open. Let them know the door will always be open. And when they do return, don't be like the older brother, grilling them about the pigs they were hanging out with and how they spent all their money. And do you know what you did? And do you know how much you hurt us? But throw them a feast. Kill the fatted calf. Celebrate the fact that they're right with God and that they're home again. They were lost And now they're found. So I I felt heading into just this weekend that a message like this from the Lord um, demands some kind of a response. So here's what I'd like to just ask. If you're here and you're a prodigal and somehow you found your way in today, maybe you were dragged in here today, I don't know, but you're here I want to say to you on behalf of the Lord, it's time for you to come home. Do this morning what the son did in verse 20, when it says there, he arose and he came to his father. If you're a prodigal or maybe you're here and you're an unbeliever, you've never given your heart or your life to Jesus, don't believe the lie that you're too far gone, that it's too late or that you've somehow outsinned the grace of God. Everyone else may have abandoned you. Jesus has not left you. As a matter of fact, listen, the reason that Jesus shed his precious blood, the reason that Jesus came to be brutalized on the cross was so that he could forgive us. The Bible says, and cleanse us of all of our sin. It's really quite simple this morning. You provide the sinner the broken one, the prodigal, and he provides the savior. And I hope what you're hearing this morning is the difference between empty religion and playing church games and the heart of God the Father for you. The Father runs to you. He wants relationship with you. He wants your heart. You get to just say, I own my sin. And I come back. There's no sin that is so great in your life that God's grace is not greater than. So if you're here and you're a prodigal, this is what I want to ask for you to do. Would you stand so that we can pray for you? We're not going to ask you for anything. We're not going to ask you about your situation. We just want to pray for you. We want everything for you. And if God brought you here this morning and you would say, I'm in that place, would you just stand publicly here and we'll pray for you. Is there anyone here? If you're watching online, this is for you. You too can return. The Lord is calling you to come home. If you're listening right now on the radio, Grace FM, The Lord is bidding you come home. Don't be ashamed to stand. Listen, we're all sinners. You saw how many prodigals were already in this place. We raised our hands. We've been there. We've done that. Nobody's going to look down upon you. As a matter of fact, we're going to celebrate you. Anyone else? Welcome home, guys. Welcome home. And then one more, Uh, I know that in this place, God, stay standing because we want to pray for you. Um, But I know that in this place, there are many parents whose hearts are heavy right now. You're in that place of looking and waiting and wondering, or maybe it's your husband, maybe it's your spouse, but we want to be the church and we want to come around you and pray for you. So if you are the parent or the loved one of a prodigal, would you stand as well this morning? And every person standing is a broken heart. It's a face of someone that's not here. It's a child or a husband or a wife that we've wept for. Hearts are broken. But I can tell you this, the Lord will be faithful. And I do believe this, that as we pray for our prodigals, they will return. I can't tell you when, but I believe that they will. There's too much in them for them to really enjoy the things of the world. And there's no place like home. There's no place like home. So here's what we're gonna do as we close. Pastor Ian's gonna lead us in this song. And this is a song we can sing out with all of our hearts, but this might be a song if you're the loved one of a prodigal that you just need to, by faith, sing and pray over your prodigal today. God is at work in this place. I believe it. This is a message I believe he had for you guys this morning. So let's close and let's let God continue to work in our midst. Church, let's do this. This is what the church is meant to do. Would you guys just stand, lay hands on the people around you, and would you just pray for them? Don't ask them. We don't need to know about their personal information or why they stood, but let's just pray for them. And if you feel led afterwards to spend some time talking, you can do that certainly, but This is an opportunity here for the Holy Spirit to allow the church to minister to one another. This is what we're here for. And if any of you guys want to come up and lay hands on our brothers that came up here as well, that would be wonderful. Those of you that stood that said you were prodigals, got some homework for you, and go home and read Psalm 31. That's the Psalm that we read earlier today. I think you're going to be encouraged by that Psalm. And if you want, come up and talk to a pastor at the end here. Uh, because we'd love to give you some things to help encourage you.
0: We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Church. For prayer, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. To listen to this message in its entirety or to join us for our live stream services visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free calvary church app be blessed as you worship jesus this week